every world became a garden, and for every garden there was a shepherd, and for all the shepherds a greater purpose. Open this world to the winding path, light the way where I wish to roam, across the seas of infinity for this weary traveler far from home. This is The Lost Tribe. Welcome back to Lost Tribe, Sins of the Father. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Wright. This is the second part of the conclusion to Sins of the Father. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow and subscribe to help me keep bringing the story to you. Thank you for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 30 Manon staggered back from us, gripping his oozing stump. While he did so, the great form of the Kraken heaved and twitched in the water sending waves that threatened to bowl us all over. Manon floated up and away from us. Casey steadied me as the waves tried to wash us both away. Takum dragged Henry back with his power. Otomo was still inside that thing, and it looked like he was giving it one hell of a stomachache. His thrashing became more violent, and we struggled to get back to where Takum and Henry were. Then, the Kraken's misshapen skull exploded in a shower of blood and black vigor, and the ghostly form of Otomo emerged! covered in foulness that had worked its way through his body. I could see tiny tendrils in his ghostly form. Inside him, he had somewhere lost the sword, and his arms were soaked with gore up to their elbows. He had literally yanked the thing apart from the inside. He collapsed onto the docks and became solid again. The dead kraken sank beneath the waves, leaving a slick of ichor behind it. Otomo stared back at me from where he lay. He began to shudder. Otomo? A debt paid in full. A vow fulfilled. Otomo became still. The darkness had devoured him as he had crippled Manon's monster. He cried out, and green energy flared from his eyes, then faded. He was gone. I wanted to go over to him, but Manon was moving again. He laughed, and Icar collected from the wound and solidified to form another arm from the stump. I'll add his death to all the things you've done to hurt my people! I screamed at him. Such a long list, he mused. Let's add you to it. Manon sorted me on tenders of darkness. Casey and I ran forward and we met him in the middle of the docks between us. My sword raised to strike him down. He halted in front of me and shook his finger at me. Scolding? I moved to bring the sword down at his skull, and it stopped. I stood there, frozen in my move to strike him, unable to bring my arms down. I tried again, but the sword stopped before I got close to striking him. I think not, Nick. Are you insane? No. Just loyal. Minol flicked at the sword with one blackened finger. Having difficulties, Nick. Thank you, Lycanus. He waved his hand and a solid wall of darkness formed behind Casey and I, cutting us off from Dekum and Henry. I saw flashes of light and heat from Henry's pistol immediately hit the wall, but nothing happened. We were trapped inside with Minol. Lycanus would never strike me, Mick. We served together, as you well know. Father's days are numbered, and I'm not going to let some freakish, nasty human with a taste of power differ with my plans for my... Oh. He trailed off, and looked up at the sky where the outline of the dark sphere was sitting. It began to retreat. No! I looked up at the sky. Those crazy kingdom bastards. 
Menon looked back at me. He grimaced and his hands became a pair of blackened sickles. It doesn't matter! You are going to die anyway. For once, I told him, I agree with you completely. I brought the sword whistling downward and reversed it, burying the blade in my own chest. The emerald on the pommel flared with energy and I dropped to my knees. Make no! Casey cried. Goodbye, you bastard. Lycona screamed and rolled inside me, thrashing to get out as the energy from the sword obliterated him from my soul. My blackened hand melted away, leaping the stump. The pain was impossibly huge, and I collapsed onto my side. Casey grabbed me and put her hand to the wound, trying to stop the blood. I was already going cold. No, Mick, come on! This was a bad idea, come on! In every relationship, there is an element of risk. For Casey, I would risk all. I felt some of her energy flow into me, and I moaned as the pain kept me awake. I watched helpless as Benon moved closer, his sickles cutting at the air. His grin was triumphant and hideous. Oh, don't worry, little girl. You'll join him soon enough. Tears flowed from Casey's eyes as she raised her pistol. She screamed at him and unloaded every chamber, blowing chunks off his shoulders, face, and chest. He laughed at her and slapped the gun out of her hands with one of his sickles. His wounds began to close onto solid flesh from the darkness inside him. His hands reformed. My master may have been temporarily delayed, but I am still kicking. He grabbed Casey. I tried to move my arms to pull her back, but they only twitched instead. Menon pulled her close like a lover, his mouth opened wide to reveal teeth dripping with blackness. And I am very, very hungry. He moved to bite her, and then winced with pain. He looked down to see that Casey had put her fingers deep into the open wounds on his chest. He grinned at her as darkness oozed from his wounds on her flesh. Kinky. But if your gun can't hurt me, why do you think your fingers can? I don't want to hurt you, Manol. I want to heal you. Manon's eyes widened. Casey's eyes flared with brilliance. Power surged down her arms and entered Manon, climbing over the ichor in waves. Manon's entire body lit up as the darkness seemed to be drawn out of him and into her arms, only to be changed into the green light. His veins began to glow with energy. The black sun in his chest writhed, and the black tendrils seemed to be trying to escape from their confinement on his body. They burned with the energy she was pumping into him as she fed on his death to create life. The blackness all over him receded, and his eyes burst with energy. She threw him off of her, and he fell to his knees. The black wall behind us collapsed. Casey swung around and grabbed the sword in my chest. She pulled it free, and I felt the cold enter me once again as my blood spilled onto the docks. She brought it around in a single arc and put it against Manon's neck. This is not over. Well, for you it is, she replied. Manon smiled. Casey swung the blade, and his head toppled from his shoulders. His body collapsed to the ground and began to wither and turn to dust. Casey tossed the sword on top of his corpse, and knelt down beside me. Henry and Nakum joined her. All my friends. Casey put her hand on my chest again, and I felt the wound close. Warmth flooded back into me, and I reached out to take her hand with my remaining one. She smiled at me. Then she slapped me across the face with her other hand. Your plans really suck sometimes, you know that? Next time you get to watch me get stabbed and see how it feels. Oh, shit, Henry said, running his hands through his hair. I hope there's none of next time. Takum just stared at us. What? You people are crazy.
Chapter 31 We stood over our friend. I had mixed feelings about him. Otomo had been a pain in the ass for me, and sometimes a pain in other parts, but he had also been loyal unto his death. Maybe that was the real difference between the people that I had come to call my friends and family, and the kingdom. Both tribes were bound by similar fates, but it was how we chose to face our fates that made us who we are. Otomo chose loyalty to us over his vengeance for those who destroyed his people. I hoped that wherever he had passed on to, it was somewhere that was worthy of his sacrifice. Henry was the first to walk away. Takoon followed him. I took Casey's hand and led her away. What happens now? That was a good question. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was kind of wondering when the parade and the booze were going to show up. Shouldn't Father be kissing our asses right now? Well, there's one way to find out, I said. I started speaking the words that I used to open the portal between worlds. The portal opened, and I could see the marble floor of the palace, and the dais beyond it. Something was lying there at the bottom. As I stepped through with the others, I faltered and nearly tripped. I recognized what it was that lay on the floor. Or rather, who? Savelius looked up at me from the marble stones, his eyes open, and half of his head missing from a gunshot wound. Apostos spoke up from on high. Welcome back, everyone. <clears throat> There's been a small change in plans. Apostos sat on Father's throne. The throne pulsed again with power, and a ring of green energy coruscated back and forth across Apostos' body, from the globe in the lion's mouth. To one side of the throne I could see Penelis' body, sprawled on his back, with a similar wound to his head, his mouth open in a frozen look of shock. One of Casey's revolvers lay at the foot of the throne. There was no sign of father at all. What have you done, Apostos? What I had to. <clears throat> what I felt was right. Where's father? Apostos shook his head. You killed him? Casey asked. With your gun, no less, Apostos replied. Handy little weapon, really. <laughs> you killed a god with a gun? Henry said. Oh, that's, that's messed up. He was separated from the bulk of his power, Apostos replied. You should all be thanking me. He never would have fulfilled his end of the bargain. It was not in his nature to make deals with lesser beings. And you took his place. Unfortunately for me, yes. As you can see from the way the energy is flowing around me, something is going very wrong. An arc of energy from the globe flared brightly and struck the dais, reducing a big chunk of marble to ash. Harry made an alarm sound and ducked behind Takoon. Oh man, I know when an experiment has gone awry. That was the throne-bending energy, wasn't it? Very astute, Henry. You see, I was not meant to contain the amount of power that the experiment below us represents. Right now, all I am is a little man with his finger in the dam as it threatens to blow. How the hell do we fix this? I asked him. As luck, or maybe fate would have it, Father created a whole bunch of really interesting beings in the form of what he once was. Of course, none of them evolved to become powerful enough to inherit his power, but he did tamper with the number of them, altering their essences to hurry the process along a bit. Hence, your little tribe. One of you has to switch places with me. And soon. Whew, what a day. Okay, I said, spinning around to my friends. Who wants to be God? Ah, this is insane, Casey said. What happens if one of us doesn't do it? Without proper control, the energy will lash out and obliterate all the worlds, and everything will end for us. He cried out in agony, and a bolt of green lightning shot out of his body and blew up an archway. 
Sometime soon would be good. The flow of energy in the throne began to pulse faster. Shit. I grabbed Casey's hand and kissed her cheek. Let me ask you this. Do you have any problem with being married to a god? Mick, no. You have no idea what this will mean. You don't have to do this. I disagree, Pasta said. Heartily. Wish me luck, I said, walking up the steps of the throne. Casey tried to stop me, but I kept on going. I couldn't let my friends down. This burden would be mine. Otomo had chosen to end his life in service of our cause. How could I do any less? Risk any less than all I was? Posto stood from the throne and put his hands on either side of my face. <sighs> Be good to the world's mick. They need a god that gives a damn. Posto seemed to erupt with energy, and it all flowed down his arms into his hands. He started to come apart, and he cried out as he flattened his palms against my face. The energy from all the worlds flowed into me. There's so much. On a hill, there is a tree. In the tree, there is a leaf. On that leaf, there is an insect. In the insect, there are one and a half million cells. In each cell, there are a billion atoms. In each atom, I am there. I am the atom, the cell, the insect, the leaf, the tree, the hill, the continent, the world. I am every world. I am the wind that blows across it, or doesn't. I am the waters that flow over its surface, or I am the dust that lingers when the waters have receded. I am the hand that puts the spin on each world so that there is a day and a night. I am the inheritor of everything. I am a man. I forget my keys. I make bad calls. I get sick. I choose where I go and what I do. I choose who I spend the time with that has been given to me. I share myself and I take in what others share with me. I am all of us, even the worst of what we are, for that is as important as the best that we do. I am a man who knows love. I am a god. I am Mick, and I am a god who was a man. Before that I was a shepherd. I am a shepherd now. No more marble palaces. No more worship. I am the formless space. I am the dirt that fills it. I am the grass that grows on that dirt, and the water that falls upon it. I am the stones and wood that form houses for my tribe, and for my wife. I am the blue sky and the sun that shines down on those houses. I am the mountains in the distance, the river that rushes down through them, and the tall trees that lay at the foot of the mountains. I am a promise fulfilled. I am home. Thank you to all of you who have joined me on this journey with the Lost Tribe. The story continues in the third book, called The Darkest Hour. I will be taking a week off to prepare, and I hope you will join me again when the story continues. Thank you all for listening and supporting this podcast. This is Peter Ivan, signing off.